Tommy Murray, along with special guest JP Shady. It's been a run of guests on the Back Judge podcast at Connor Ryan, John Dolan, now Shady joining the crew after he texted me on, on Tuesday telling me he just had to get on this podcast and talk about yet another referee controversy for the Detroit Lions. JP over there in, in Ann Arbor, what's uh, just what's been on your mind? Uh, it's Utter devastation, man. Utter devastation. I thought we had that game. My, my parlay between them winning and the Cardinals winning, I knew was dead because the Cardinals were getting smashed. But I, I, I really was I was really hopeful. They looked really good from the start, just those that first quarter. But I could you could just tell when they weren't getting touchdowns that it was just inevitable that the Packers were going to come back and make it a game. And once again, the refs screw us over. I mean, I've seen pictures of that first hands to the face that maybe it was a hands to the face, but still, I mean, it was weak at best, and really, uh, it's just disappointing. Really disappointing. Tommy, any thoughts from not only just a non-Lions fan, but a little bit of a Lions fader watching watching that one? I mean, as a Lions fader, I, I found myself kind of rooting for them uh, towards the end, and uh, I think you know the two hands of the face were were definitely should have been no calls. I I mean I was happy with the pi no call, even though with the precedent, I wouldn't be surprised at all if that was a call. Um, but I mean more so the takeaway from me, uh, and it's something that Klepp, you texted in the group chat, uh, and and I agreed with you. It's just the Lions, um, you know, their inability to kind of take into that next gear and build off the momentum that they had in the first half. I just never really felt that secure during the game because um, they just had what five field goals and their their only touchdown came on a uh, you know a fourth and a fourth and short which credit for them to getting it but they really had trouble uh, in the red zone so I thought that you know it was a disappointing performance from the Lions especially in the second half and then just the egregious calls were just an awful cherry on top. But I do, uh, the silver lining, I think, is that I do think that it will galvanize this team going into uh, another, you know, the season isn't over. That's, that's the, uh, I think, the good thing to know. They got Minnesota coming to Detroit next, uh, you know, this upcoming Sunday, and I think they should win that game. And, and you know, they're playing better than them right now, I think. So I, I, I took a little bit of a positive note. Yeah, I mean, as of, as of today, I'm, I'm sick of all the talk, which is maybe what the NFL wants me to be. But, um, I mean, yesterday I felt like was really somewhat unprecedented in the fact that as all my time as a Lions fan, there's been so many different penalties that have gone against this team. Uh, and it always seems like Lions, the Lions fan base is outraged. And it's never really on a national scale. And I, maybe it was the fact that it was the Monday night game. But even then, it, you still had the Monday night game with the illegal bat out of the back of the end zone by KJ Wright that really didn't even get as much traction as this. And I think it's just because you see refs along 
um, the NFL landscape for every single team screwing up games on a weekly basis and for it to play out on Monday Night Football in such a crazy fashion where it's like not even multiple calls going against different players at any point. It's like two of the same exact call against one guy like in the fourth quarter, both on third downs that would have made it fourth down. Um, that made this one really unprecedented. And, uh, I mean, you can say, yeah, the Lions, you know, should have converted more in the red zone. They shouldn't have kicked so many field goals, da 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 I, I can hear you. I can understand that point. But at the same time, like, I who when was the last time a road team was up by more than two possessions in the fourth quarter against the Packers in Lambeau Field in a game that Aaron Rodgers played the whole game? Like I think you have to look really long and hard to find a game like that, and for some for people to be like, oh, the Lions just only have themselves to blame. Like they would have had the ball up nine with seven minutes to go if not for that horrible first hands to the face call. And I don't really know what more you can ask from a team. It's like how how can you ask teams to go into probably the one of the hardest state and probably top three hardest stadiums to play in on the road. And have to be up like 17 points in order to avoid getting absolutely screwed by the refs. And if you even go to that pass interference call, the NFL has absolutely, I mean, the, the refs have just gotten rid of this pass interference review call. The standard of which this thing has to get overturned is un, is not even close to any other standard for any other reviewable play that, that you can review. And it just, it, it's the yeah, frustrating it's, thing. It's, yeah, sorry, okay. sorry to butt in, but. It's the it's the Tommy Lee Lewis unless they they yeah. crank him before unless it's that egregious of a penalty they're not. So going I, to I don't understand why there's different rules for this for that penalty and it to me shows that the refs really don't care that much about getting the calls right because if they did then they then they that Golden Tate play on Thursday Night Football where he gets clearly interfered with about like a whole second before the ball even arrives and they don't overturn it because. I don't know why. I mean, it it just shows that the the refs don't want these types of rules in place. I don't get it, and uh, it just it, it it's frustrating to me that almost every single review or every single penalty I can see whether or not it's a penalty or like a two feet inbounds or a fumble. The minute after the play is over, from the first replay that the broadcast shows. So I, I don't understand why it's so difficult to get these things right, especially when they're in uh, such pivotal moments and if the Lions uh, if those play I, I believe that those penalties aren't called the Lions win that game and they'd be in first place in the NFC North right now instead they're in last so I the the, the yeah. by the margin by which these games are decided is so slim and it can't involve the refs so I, I don't really have much to say other than that yeah and I think it's uh interesting I mean we we, uh, we don't really have to get into it but I just think for the listeners to just think about you know, it's an interesting uh, kind of dilemma that we're in with all this replay now and all the stuff that we have. I mean, are we just going to make – I mean, I saw Colin Cower talking about his his thing where he wants everything in the last two minutes to be reviewable, which I think could potentially help the situation. But like you were saying, Adam, the refs don't want to overturn anything because they don't want to set a new precedent for, uh, you know – it's it's just a mess, really. It's just a mess. They, they don't really know – um, exactly what they're going for. They don't want to give teams a win necessarily because then they're going to have to live up to that every week, and it's such a you know subjective thing to the refs. Um, so 
I, I just think we're kind of in a little bit of a mess here, and we either need to really tone it back to where we don't have as much uh, interference, and sometimes you just get bad calls and you miss calls, uh, and it goes back to kind of how it was 20 years ago, or we kind of double down and, and you know, and I don't even know what that looks like. So, yeah, I, I completely agree. It's it's to a point where it's not even they're just missing calls or they're just calling things that aren't there. They're just doing both. It's just it's it's just one big mess of them doing just messing up games. Because they don't really know what's going on, and they either don't like the rules or they just don't completely understand them. Yeah, so I mean, definitely disappointing. And uh, I mean, I think I, I honestly think the NFL is probably one more game like this away from absolute disaster. I mean, if maybe say this Chiefs Broncos game Thursday night gets the same type of treatment that the refs gave uh, the Monday nighter, they're going to be in a world of hurt. So it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens going forward. Um, the, this ref thing needs to get figured out. And I, I also just one one final, final point is that I don't think, you know, these broadcast companies picking up guys like Dean Blandino, Mike Pereira, uh, I can't remember the guy's name that's on ESPN, but like, I mean, picking up these high-level yeah, John I Perry. mean, picking up these high-level guys isn't isn't helping anyone out else either. So, uh, for a multi-billion-dollar corporation, it's it's upsetting that they can't even get the little things right. But let's jump into these Week Seven games, starting off tomorrow night with the Chiefs and the Broncos. I like the Chiefs in a get-right spot, even though that they're riding a two-game losing streak, and the Broncos are riding a two-game winning streak, which seemed impossible two weeks ago. But here we are. Um, I'm taking the Chiefs, even though they're on the road, and Denver's going to become a little bit tougher to play in as it gets colder. But uh, I just think the Chiefs have a little bit too much on offense to go for what the Broncos have in, in Joe Flacco. I mean, I'm, I'm with you here, Clep. It's the Chiefs. I feel like are going to really going to bounce back. I was actually in Austin, Texas during the game last week, watching Houston against the Chiefs, and it was just. It was rough for the for the Chiefs, honestly. I mean, they had in the beginning of that game, they looked like they were about to run away with it, and it just like never came to fruition for them. They let the Texans hang around, and then in the last or in the the second half, they just couldn't score. So I really don't know what to think about them, um, but I really think they're going to come back. They were my number one team in the preseason. I think they're going to get right. I think Andy Reid is still a great coach, and Mahomes is still a great quarterback, and they'll figure it out, and they'll beat a, a mediocre Broncos team. Yeah, and I mean, as as we saw in the Lions game and in the Colts game last week, the uh, the formula is kind of out on how to beat this team. You run you run the ball down there, especially with Clep, uh, your boy Chris Jones, who was out against against Houston. Uh, that's that's a you know arguably their best player on defense, and you can run the ball very consistently and control the you know and control the clock and control the ball and not let Mahomes touch it. And Mahomes also, on top of that, is I still think is dealing with a little bit of an ankle issue from that Indianapolis game and. Um, has kind of slowed down uh, a little a little bit, despite the fact that Tyree Kill is back and their connection seems to you know be back up to their old ways. But I, I'm with you guys as well. Um, I just don't think the Broncos really have enough. I, I think they're going to be able to run the ball, but in the end, I just don't expect uh, that offense to be able to put up with the the Chiefs' offense and the type of effort that they're going to bring. And, and the Broncos' defense, I don't think is is really good enough for that to be a factor as it was in in years past. Yeah, and I, 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 also, I also agree with you, Tommy, with the uh, Mahomes ankle injury. I think that's definitely playing a little bit of a factor into this offensive slowdown. I watched the, the entire Chiefs-Texans game, which was just an awesome game to watch um, as those two teams go back and forth. But the Chiefs are really going to have to fix this defense if they want to uh, 
maybe I I think they'll obviously still scoop Super Bowl contenders, but um, they can lose any game they play in just because of how tough this defense uh, or how poorly this defense has been playing. So uh, let's move on to the the Raiders and the Packers. Uh, this one's in Lambeau. Raiders coming off a bye off what was an impressive win in London where they pretty much dominated the Bears. I know that one got close really late, but it was just a few fluke plays that happened that, that made it that way. But Raiders overall are, are a little bit friskier than I ex- expected. They're four, they're three and two right now, had the same amount of losses as the Chiefs, but I don't know. Unfortunately, I think the Packers uh, are, are pretty good despite my uh, morbid predictions in the beginning of the year for them. Still not 100% sold on the team. I don't know. The NFC to me seems really wide open, and there you could pick at least four or five teams that you think are maybe the best team in the NFC and not be completely off base. So I'm going to lean lean Packers here, but with the way the Raiders played in London, if they can kind of replicate that uh, against the Packers, especially if they get the running game going with Josh Jacobs like it was going in London, uh, they'll definitely be in this one. I agree. I think the, the Raiders are a frisky team, and I think that they can make this a game for sure. I really like Josh Jacobs, and I think Gruden is doing a good job there. But the Packers' defense, I believe, is elite. It's really locked down, and they, they jumped on the Lions. Or the Lions were able to jump on the Packers' defense early in that game. But you could just see them just kind of cranking down and getting stops in that second half. So I don't think the Raiders are going to be generate, being able to generate nearly enough offense to win that game. And I don't think their defense is anywhere close to where the Lions' defense was playing on Monday night. So I think they can keep it close early, but I think Rodgers is just going to Rodgers and they'll pull away late and they'll they'll get a W. Yeah, I'm fairly confident in the Packers. Uh, I agree with both of what you guys are saying. The Raiders definitely are frisky, and, and I think you got to give credit to Gruden for kind of working with some subpar talent and using all of the, the noise that surrounded them throughout the offseason to kind of you know, give this team a meaning and a purpose and really, uh, you know, be into ending to making nightmares, as, as John Gruden famously said. Um, but I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm very confident in the Packers uh, this this weekend. I, I the, Really, the only um, big question mark I have is the receivers. I mean, without Devontae Adams, I thought the receivers played, with the exception of, of Alan Lazard, Lee's, Lee's boy, former five-star from Ames, Iowa, um, with the exception of him, the Valdez Scantling and Geronimo Allison, uh, I thought played pretty poorly, and there there were some drops and some miscommunication. So I think that's the only uh, potential downfall of this team, and and I think our Darnell Savage is going to be back in the lineup next week too. So that's just another uh, dynamic player that they have on defense. So I think this is just a little bit too much for the Raiders to handle, and the Packers move on to six and one. I will say quickly for the Raiders that uh, Foster Moreau. A uh, pretty impressive rookie tight end out of uh, LSU. He's uh, shown some some nice flashes, and uh, I don't know. He's kind of more of the the typical tight end as opposed to their other guy, Darrell Waller. But uh, I think that he's he's had a nice little start to his season, and maybe could pick up some steam coming out of this bye week. Especially uh, Tyrell Williams is in doubt for this game with some plantar fasciitis. So it's an old man, kind of a dad injury for Tyrell. But you know. Yeah. Uh, and this, and they're not very confident that that's going to be getting better too. No. So I think that that is uh, Darren Waller is their number one you know guy now. I think and and hopefully uh, Hunter Renfro can work into that mix a little bit more. The Rams are visiting the Falcons, and I'll kick this one off by saying Lee Murray texted Falcons risky survivor. He is five and one on his risky survivors, but this uh, this one might be a little bit too much for me, even as the Falcons lover as I am. Uh, they really, I mean, they've been disappointing me all year, but uh, 
that that Cardinals game was really quite the nail in the coffin. They're just horrible on defense. It's it's really kind of disgusting to watch. I don't know why they're so bad on defense, and it's probably if you watch that Brett Coleman video, it just probably is because they're not coached very well because they do have talented pieces along uh, that that front, even in the linebacking core. And I know Keanu Neal's out with injury, but guys like Desmond Trufant and you know Isaiah Oliver, these aren't terrible players, and they just don't really know what's going on out there. And I think McVay, of all people, I know the Rams have been sliding a little bit, and I've even been fading the Rams, but if there's anyone that you don't really want to go up against right now for a poorly coached defense, it's it's got to be Sean McVay. So I, I'm taking the Rams here. Yeah, uh, I totally agree with you. I think the Falcons are just in, they're in tank mode at this point. Like this season's been an utter disaster. The defense has been an atrocity, and the offense only seems to score when they're down by like thirty. So it's just really it's the the time is done for Dan Quinn. Unfortunately, I was really I had high hopes for him after he took him to the Super Bowl, and they unfortunately collapsed against the Patriots. But it, I think his time in Atlanta is is a ticking time bomb. I think he, I think he's pretty much done. And I just think the Rams are going to have sort of a get right game, even though I don't think they are what they were last year. And I think the Jalen Ramsey trade kind of breathes desperation from them, even though it didn't even look like the defense was that big of a problem for them against the 49ers. It, the offense was just so bad. They couldn't move. They couldn't get a first down against the 49ers D who all credit to them is very good, but still Jared Goff looked awful and they can't run the ball, especially Gurley's hurt. And their backup, Malcolm Brown, just doesn't look like an NFL running back that could produce. And Jared Goff had Gerald Everett for an open 50-yard touchdown, and he just completely missed the throw. So it doesn't even look like he can hit open receivers. So I don't know what to think about the Rams. But I do think they'll get a W in this one. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of uh, concerning auras, uh, you know, orbiting both of these teams. Uh, To start off with the Falcons, I mean, we've been harping on this since week one, really. The the team is soft. Uh, Matt Ryan is having a good is having a good year. He's going to throw, you know, four thousand to forty five hundred yards this year, and their offense is kind of productive on paper, but they. Their defense, like you were saying, Adam, I mean, this defense is historically bad, I think. And I watched that Coleman video as well, and I think it just is a completely a fail, a failure of coaching. And I'm expecting uh, the Falcons to drop another one here. I mean, I guess uh, I, I'm not saying the Rams are a lock because the Falcons have the firepower with the, the Rams' pretty porous defense. The Rams' defense has been playing pretty bad this year to, uh, you know, to be in this game and, and maybe win in a fluky way. But I'm more airing on the side of, of Sean McVay and the Rams to, to have a bounce-back week. Jared Goff, like you were saying, JP, he only threw 78 yards against San Francisco, which, I mean, the San Francisco defense, I think, is, has been really great this year and, and is overperforming, especially in the secondary. But uh, there's just there's some disconnect there. And, and I think Sean McVay is, has kind of been calling some bad games. I mean, I don't, I don't really know who the blame is on, if it's uh, McVay or Goff or, or a little bit of both, but... I just think this is a perfect opportunity uh, to get right against uh, a, just an awful Falcons defense. So I'm going to take the Rams as well. Uh, I will lastly say I really wasn't a big fan of that Ramsey trade for uh, L.A. Yeah. I didn't really know, understand the point of that. I think their issues lie much more in the kind of the offensive line and even maybe you know kind of on the edge as in terms of an edge rusher. I know Dante Fowler has been a little bit of an addition there but still you're you're relying on some some older pieces and you know this has been their formula kind of to trade these 
higher picks for guys on the end of their rookie deals, but then you end up having to pay them because of all of the, you know, uh, everything you gave up. And it's like, if you think of a guy like Jalen Ramsey, he knows that the Rams have to pay him, you know, an ungodly amount of money because, and not that he doesn't deserve it, but if you give up two first round picks for a guy, you're not going to let him walk out the door. Same thing with Tunsil now in, in, in Houston. They have, these guys have so mm-hmm. much leverage against the team. And uh, I just don't know if, if you're the Rams, do you really want to be locking up a, a, a cornerback at, you know, mil- hundreds of millions of dollars potentially, and uh, and then having you know positions like your offensive line not be that secure and not have first round picks to to be able to address those positions. So uh, I didn't really agree with that that um, move for them. So yeah, I, I will say though, I did like them getting rid of Marcus Peters. I he was just he has not been performing to a Pro Bowl level. And I also, I've also don't think he's a great locker room presence either. Not to say that Jalen Ramsey is like, I don't know, the the Tim Tebow of the locker room, bringing everybody together. But he's uh, Marcus Peters just was really not playing well, really, really not playing. Well. Yeah, so, yeah, no problem. I think that's a, I think that's a good move. But Jalen Ramsey has kind of proven to be be a little bit of a front runner, and I just am the talent is there. I think when he's confident and he's playing and, and he has a swagger with him, he's the best corner in the NFL. But I think that's a huge if. And, I mean, obviously he's been in Jacksonville, which has been a franchise that's been in tatters and has been on the decline since they made that AFC AFC push. But I, I agree with you, Adam. I don't think this is a good deal for the Rams. And in turn, I just think this makes it a better deal for the Jaguars, who are trading away one of the more talented players in the NFL, which is never something that you would view as a positive. But the fact that they're doing it with the Rams, a team that – is behind Seattle and San Francisco right now in the standings and, are, and is betting on themselves to make a playoff push because if they're not, you know, the they're going to have a top 20 pick in Jacksonville. So and, and next year potentially another one. So uh, I don't like this move for the Rams. It screams desperation, and, and I agree with you, Adam. I, and JP, I think they have, their problems lie elsewhere, especially on that offensive line. So um, they potentially might have missed their window, which is kind of crazy to think about. The 49ers are going to FedEx Field and – I don't feel like we need to spend more than 30 seconds on this one. I, the 49ers are proving to be one of the better teams in the NFC, and the Redskins uh, barely pulled one out there in Miami. So uh, I'm, I'm going to go with the, the Santa Clara 49ers in this one. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, I think the, it's going to be an easy win for the 49ers. But i got to give some a, sh- a little shout-out to Jimmy Ward. <laughs> On the uh, uh, on the 49ers, I was watching the, towards the end of that Rams game, the Rams 49ers, and he was just locking people down. He was going nuts. Who was the uh, defensive Salah, coordinator? Ro- Robert Salah. Robert Salah. Salah. Oh yeah, that's it. He was. They were going nuts. I mean, their defense was locked down. I don't think I don't see the Redskins putting up any more than 14 points. But shout out to Jimmy Ward for playing well. <laughs> yeah, if that. I mean. I was I was high on the Niners. I thought they were going to be a wild card team, and they've even exceeded my uh, expectations. I think outside of Belichick, Kyle Shanahan uh, is the best coach in the NFL right now. I think in terms of just what he's been able to do this year, I, maybe not in terms of a power rankings uh, or more in terms of a power ranking spot. But I, I really uh, need to see some more from Jimmy Garoppolo. I think that they've won without him really having a great game yet, and and really being nothing more than a, a glorified game manager. And that's something I really didn't expect. In my evaluation of the 49ers this offseason, I was expecting a little bit more from Garoppolo. So I think this is a great opportunity for him to really kind of put a, a good game together against a Redskins team that is is, is really bad. Um, so 
Not much else more to say other than another week, another Terry McLaurin balling out performance. I mean, this kid's the real deal. Yeah, That's all I got to Yeah, he's say. super impressive, especially, I mean, sometimes you see these rookies pop off in their first year and it's kind of like, well, they ended up in, you know, a system like the Saints or the Rams where it's like, or the Chiefs even, like Michael Hardman, a guy where it's mm-hmm. like, maybe this guy's just putting up great numbers because he's in this great offensive system. But Terry McLaurin is making things work with multiple quarterbacks I mean, dysfunction, a head coaching change, and this dude's still producing. So that he's been really, really impressive in that regard. But let's go to an AFC oh, yeah. South divisional showdown here. The Texans visiting the Colts. And the Texans, my risky survivor pick from last week, pulled off a huge victory, which is giving me the confidence to once again pick them on the road to beat the Colts, who had also beat the Chiefs. I think that this one's going to be a, a really great game. Kind of wish this one was in prime time, maybe instead of like the Patriots or the Jets or even the you know, I don't know. You at least put it in the afternoon or place it with that Saints Bears game. I, I don't know, but the the Texans and the Colts. This one should be a really really fun one to watch. And um, you know, despite I know Titus Howard went down with the injury, so the Texans offensive line still it was a question mark, and now it's going to be even even tougher with the the rookie out. But uh, I'm rolling with Houston. JP, what do you think? Yeah, I, I gotta agree with you, Clef. I'm I've been really impressed how Houston has played these past couple weeks, even though they two weeks ago they played a, a porous Atlanta Falcons defense. The Texans offense has really been humming, and i got to give a shout-out to Carlos Hyde as well. He was getting, just getting cut left and right by teams, and he's been running really hard for the Texans and picking up good yards. I mean, not to say that the Chiefs have an elite run defense because their defense is just terrible, but still, he's still coming there and did a, he's doing an admirable job of taking over Lamar Miller's spot. And I just think the Texans are a better team than the Colts. I mean, Jacoby Brissett has done a very nice job this year filling in for Andrew Luck, who obviously retired. But I just think this is a game where the Texans kind of assert themselves as the top dog in the AFC South and a probable playoff contender. Yeah, there's not a lot to disagree with there. Um, and the Texans have been impressive. And the craziest stat for me, this is the first time in Deshaun Watson's career where he's gone two consecutive games without getting sacked. And I really think that that is the the difference when it comes to this team ultimately performing. Uh, you know, he's playing at an MVP level right now, and and he drives the ship as as I you know, and I think we've been saying for the past couple of weeks that this. Uh, this team, you know, Bill O'Brien, I think, has been driven by Deshaun Watson. This defense has been driven by Deshaun Watson, um, and he's playing at MVP level. That being said, uh, I'm on the Colts this week. Uh, they're coming off the bye. Uh, I think they have a better coaching staff, uh, a better defense, and I think they're going to get. I think they're going to get pressure on Deshaun. And uh, you know, I, it, I don't think they're a better team than than the Texans, but I just think that they're going to execute better, and they have uh, better intangibles. Uh, around them, and I think the Texans have have come off two, you know, impressive wins, uh, at least offensively. But I think that ends uh, here in a, t- in a tough away game at Lucas Oil. So I'm on the Colts at Ford Field, the Cathedral, the chip on the shoulder Lions taking on the Vikings, and this is this is the Lions' last stand game, man. Uh, I think if you dropped a two, three, and one, I know that they have a tough, they don't have a very tough schedule coming up, but. It's it's still the Lions are bound to drop a few of those, and you got to get a win in the division, especially against a team like the Vikings in your home, uh, in your home dome. So, uh, I'm picking the Lions on the final stand, man. The the season is really probably going to come down to this one. I feel like. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I do have to say that 
the defensive line needs to step up. As bad as the officiating yeah. was in Green Bay, the defensive line was so bad. Aaron Rodgers probably had, no joke, 10 seconds to throw the ball every time. Snacks Harrison is an elite run stopper, but if he throws the ball, if Aaron Rodgers or whoever the opposing quarterback is draws back, Snacks pretty much just stands there, which I understand he's a 300-pound man, but it's, I mean, come on. And Trey Flowers, like, obviously those, those calls were atrocious, but maybe put your hands somewhere else to get to the quarterback when the lines are paying you all that money. Like, David Bakhtiari was shutting you down. So uh, I need I need the defensive line to step up in a big way and really help out the defensive backs who were just balling out. And they were – Justin Coleman, shout out to him. He was playing really well. Darius Slay, as always, they were balling out and they were really pulling hard for the boys. And the defensive line is just not helping. And they're leaving the linebackers on an island who, to no fault of their own, are just slow. They're slow. And they can't catch up to running backs running wheel routes. Aaron Jones should have had an easy touchdown because Christian Jones was 20 yards behind him. Because he can't run. so But I think the Lions are going to get a W in this game. I don't think Kirk Cousins is good at all, despite what he did against the Eagles last week. I think once they leave their little dome in Minnesota, that they're just not the same team. And I, I think the Lions will find a way to, to beat a good team this week and pull themselves to 3-2-1. and Oh, uh, yeah. And for the first time this year, I'm on, I'm on the Lions wagon this week. And a lot of it has to do with Kirk Cousins coming uh, into to Ford Field and an environment that I think is going to give them some some issues. But I think make no bones about it. If if the offense of the Vikings has the same output that it did against Philadelphia, I mean, obviously, I think the Lions secondary is much better than Philly's secondary, and and is, their defense, I think, as a whole, outside of rushing the passer, I think is playing really good right now. And uh, I think Minnesota is going to win if if they can't get to Cousins and they're going to give them all day to throw like like Philly did. With Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen on the on the perimeter, I just think that's going to be a, a hard uh, that's going to be a hard team to beat. But I, I am putting faith in Patricia on this Lions team to ultimately uh, get to Kirk Cousins. You know, the I think the home field advantage is going to be huge for them. And on the other side, I'm expecting a little bit of a bounce back from uh, the the Lions offense and Matthew Stafford to put together a complete four quarter game of him playing like he did in the first half uh, on that Monday night game. Yeah, and I, I would, again, JP mentioned his name, but Justin Coleman has just been an awesome addition uh, to their secondary. Just one of the smarter players, pretty sticky. Um, you know, he had the interception kind of off the guy's face, but he, he just is really good at punching the ball out immediately after the, the receiver is making a play on the ball and just been, been a great addition. And even Rashawn Melvin has just been a clear upgrade over a guy like Nevin Lawson. So very happy with how the secondary has played so far in Detroit. Uh, let's go to uh, yeah. Go I, ahead, I just got sorry. I just got to jump in and want to say that um, another challenge to the Lions: the run defense and run offense also really need to step up. I mean, five, I know the Packers always have a good offensive line, and Aaron Jones is no scrub. But five yards of carry and 170 total yards for the Packers' running game is just not acceptable. And carry on is I think is a star, but they, he could get nothing going. And, you, dude, catch the ball when you're wide open. You cannot drop that first yeah, he, down catch. He has had a few. Pass on third he, down. He's frustrating me in, in the passing game because it's not like a LeGarrette Blunt Jordan Howard situation where he can't run the routes. You know, it, he, 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 he can't. He, he can run the routes, the but he, he's had a few plays this year where the ball just goes straight through his hands. So uh, he, he needs to get on the yeah. judge machine real quick. But, uh, this is and and well, go ahead, Tommy. Well, just one one more thing. They're playing Dalvin Cook uh, yeah. from a run defense. I mean, if, if Cook's going to run wild on them, 
Um, and that's, you know, that's what Minnesota kind of built their season on and before letting Kirk Cousins kind of handle that passing attack. But this team, I mean, the, the Vikings, I think, kind of are playing better than the Lions the last couple of weeks. And this is a huge, I think the, I think the fact and with how they lost to Green Bay, I think this is going to be huge for, for the team. And I think they're just going to, they got to come out with their heads, heads on fire, John Dolan style, you know? So I think this is, like you said, Adam, this really is a, a huge spot for them, especially going forward with how their schedule gets, with, gets easier. Does anyone know the Mike Daniels status? What is what is what's up with him? Uh, the the, the injury been? report comes out today, so yeah. So we'll see. And Deshaun Hand has been out too, which has been big. But we the Lions put a lot of money in that D line, and they just frankly need to step up. Yeah, that's supposed to be the strength of our well, of our defense, well, Trey, and they need to step up. I always kind of thought that Trey Flowers, from a sack production standpoint, was always kind of a product of his environment in New England, and I mean. So I, th- I th- Devon Kennard is their best pass rusher right now, right? I mean, they don't really have a lot of a juice off the edge, so that's definitely a, a need for them. This is probably the ugliest uniform matchup of the week. I mean, you're always going to be in the running for that when it's the the Bengals, but that that teal clashing with the orange is uh, not nothing against the Jags uniforms, but uh, this this one could be tough to look at, not only uh, in the uniforms but also in terms of the the product put out there on the field. Uh, you know, Minshew Mania has had its moments, especially uh, even in the the loss against Carolina. Minshew was playing really well, but uh, the last week against the Saints was kind of the first uh, real hiccup in that whole campaign. Both of these teams, I don't see as playoff contenders, or you know, contenders to even be able to make the playoffs or be in the hunt. Come come December, we'll see if there's any maybe added juice to the Jags defense with. Uh, Jalen Ramsey out of the building. I don't know, you know, what was going on behind the scenes there, but I guess I'll go with the Jags. But I don't know. I don't know. Who who cares? <laughs> yeah, I I'm actually gonna I actually as incredible as this sounds, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the uh, the the Bengals to get their first Ooh. win this week. I think I think they're finally gonna get off the Schneid. Not to say that I don't love Gardner Minshew and his ball slinging abilities. And his mustache and his quads and whatnot, but um, I think the Bengals the Bengals played the Ravens pretty tough last week, and you got to give them credit for that, despite the fact that their team is just pretty atrocious. And uh, the Jaguars, I, I'm I'm happy for them. I'm glad they got rid of Jalen Ramsey. I think it's it was a very smart move, and they got a lot of production or future production back with those picks, those two first rounders. It was it's basically like the Khalil Mack trade, except. You know, Khalil Mack had no problems with the team other than that they wouldn't give him his money, but Jalen Ramsey just straight up quit on the team. So it's – I think it's a good trade for the Jags. I think they have a bright future with Gardner Minshew, but I think the Bengals get their first. Yeah, JP, I'm with you, man. Uh, and, and I will say that I do have the attitude of Adam Klepp here where it's just kind of like, ah, you know, who cares? Uh, I don't really think either of these teams uh, are for real and – uh, you know, Gardner Minshew, while he's had his moments, I don't think that he's the future of their team. I would expect Foles to be back in the in the fold, back in the Foles, no pun intended, uh, when when we get when he gets back from injury. But um, I, yeah, I just think the, the Bengals need to get the first one of the season. They need to they need to show something. I don't really necessarily have that much confidence in them. Um, but this is a, an opportunistic spot for them to kind of get off the schneid, as, as JP said so eloquently. And I will say it does give me shades of when I picked Denver against Jacksonville, where this is going to be a game in the fourth quarter where 
Cincinnati may be up three or seven, and they just can't really p- extend on that lead. And, and Minshew gives them gives them a drive, and and they they uh, the Jags you know win tight in the fourth quarter. But uh, this is going to be a low scoring affair, and and I hope the Bengals win. Let's jump over to the Cardinals visiting the Giants, and I don't know, I don't have a great feel for this game, Tommy. We were on that that Falcons Cardinals over last week. And the Giants' defense isn't that great. Cardinals' defense is that great. The over is at 50. I don't know. What do you think about that? Man, I, I mean... I'm hesitant to jump I, on it just because I don't trust the Giants as much as I trusted the, the Falcons' exactly. offense. But... Yes. Uh, um, I do... I mean, I know... I think Evan Ingram's going to be back and Saquon may be back. Um, he's back? Okay, well, then they're they're both back. So... I think it's. I think that's a nice. Uh, that is going to be a nice potential over spot. But I'm just kind of more. I think I'm going to take the Cardinals on the money line or on the spread. I'm pretty confident in them getting a win. Um, Max Kellerman and Marcus Spears on first take said that they take Daniel Jones over Kyler Murray, which Ooh. I just don't. And they basically used height and and the way he looks in the pocket as uh, there. And and Kyler is an unknown commodity, which I think is heinous. Uh, I think Kyler Murray has been unbelievable this year and has gotten better every single week. Um, and we're just starting to see the type of things that this guy can do from an athletic ability and from an accuracy and arms, just arm talent ability. This guy is is kind of unprecedented at the position, and, and I love what he brings to the table every week. And as you were alluding to, Klepp, I think that the Giants' defense, uh, you know, I think is a little bit frisky and has maybe gotten a little bit better than where they were in the start of the year, but still this is a secondary that has been pretty bad this year. And, and I expect, um, you know, I guess, I guess a high scoring is fair. I guess I, I would take that over clap. Uh, but I, I'm more confident in the Cardinals going into uh MetLife and, and getting a win. It's no lock sauce over. No, no. <laughs> we were living, we were living baby. Uh, I gotta, I gotta agree with Tommy here. I'm going to lean Cardinals not my former hometown Giants, just because that Giants defense, it might be frisky at some points with getting turnovers, but it's just generally bad. It can't really stop just mediocre offenses. And the Giants have two wins, so which props to them for that, even though their team has been pretty bad, but they should have lost that Tampa Bay game. Matt Gay just missed that field goal. They should have lost. That was a chip shot, and he botched it. And then they beat a bad Redskins team. And I, I think the Cardinals, I had them pretty low in my preseason power rankings, but they've been pleasantly surprising me, especially with their lack of talent on defense and no Patrick Peterson. And Kyler Murray has really, he's really impressed me so far. His, his speed is evident, but his playmaking ability has just really translated well to the NFL. And I think Cliff Kingsbury, as much as I didn't like that hire, he maybe could have this Cardinals team humming in a few years, so we'll see. But I do think the Cardinals pull this game out, even though none of these teams, I think, have any shot of making the playoffs. Yeah, it's, it's pretty fair. And let's go. I mean, Tommy, I want you to – this is another gambling game I was looking at here. Dolphins and Bills, and the the line is plus 17. And my initial yeah. reaction to that is I feel like the Bills have trouble scoring 17 points as it is. And – yeah, hammer and, Dolphins. And hammer Dolphins. Ryan Fitzpatrick is starting this game, which makes me feel better. He he brought them back against the uh, against the Redskins last. It's week. magic. I mean, is the Bills' offense really any better than the Redskins' offense? Maybe, but 
is it by that much? I, I don't think I don't see the Bills covering this game at all. I'm going to pick them to win. Yeah. I just don't see the cover there. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I mean, I think the Bills are going to win, uh, you know, and based off their defense. But I definitely, you know, I think it's, I think that they definitely will cover. But I just, it would break my rule that I've been living by. And, I, and I'm, after I uh, bet on, was it, I, I forget who I bet on that just ruined me. Um, or maybe it was Cleveland. But I, I'm not going to bet on a game unless I'm, Confident losing with the quarterback coach tandem, either the both of them or just based on one of them. Um, and it, I just would hate to, on paper, I think the bet looks great. But as we've seen, um, if if the Bills get a defensive touchdown and then, I don't know, man. I just would hate, it looks so good and I would just hate to be sitting there on Monday morning down, you know, 50 bucks because I because I threw on uh, the Dolphins plus 17 and a half. But you're completely right. In theory, uh, they should they should cover. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I think the Dolphins should definitely be able to cover this game. They they looked not bad against the Redskins in the fourth quarter. Fitzmagic was slinging the ball around. They had a nice little comeback. And as much as I love going for two at the end of a game when you've just made a big comeback. And this is one of the one times that I, I thought Brian Flores might have made a mistake and that they should have just kicked an extra point and gone to overtime because they had all the momentum. The Redskins were defeated. They couldn't get a stop to save their lives, and they couldn't score to save their lives. So I think you yeah. just kick the extra point. I think if they kick the extra point and they go into overtime, that the Dolphins are probably picked up their first win. If, if I may, I think that that was – I think that's the tanking. I To be honest, I think that they – they are tanking. They're not. It's obviously hard to tank in the NFL because it's not a joke of a league like the NBA. But they basically yeah. were saying we're either going to win this game going for two or not. Like they, you can't tear that, they gut that team apart and then not get a top, the top pick, but really a top two pick or a top three pick. So I think that that was them being like, if we get this win and we complete this two point conversion off a a Kenyon Drake bubble screen, then hey, we'll take the win. But if not, uh, then we're just going to continue to be. Uh, a tanking franchise. Yeah, and I just got to say, I think my biggest pet peeve in all of sports is a fourth down or a two-point conversion where they the team throws the ball in front of the line to gain, and they don't get it. Just throw the ball past it. Why are you leaving it up to chance unless they're wide open? The bubble screens, the wide receiver screens, just re- it's like the Lions against the Seahawks when we were freshmen in college, Adam. And they threw the ball. Who did Matt Stafford Matthew the ball Mulligan. on that fourth and one? Matt, the people mover, Matthew Mulligan. They threw it to Matthew Mulligan for no for no gain on fourth and one. So that's just awful. That's a little, little X's and O's strategy talk from Shady. We love to have it. Yep. Uh, yeah. Two. Yeah. This is just a, a wounded soldier game here. The Chargers and the Titans. I mean, two teams just trending in the absolute wrong direction. Got Ryan Tannehill starting here for Tennessee. Got the Chargers who just lost to Duck Hodges and lost to the. Broncos, they've lost to the Lions. They're just really falling apart. It seems to be the end of the road for for the this era of Chargers football, aka Philip Rivers era of Chargers football. I don't know who's going to win this game, and frankly, I don't care. So uh, I I'll, I'll lean Chargers. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm 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 actually going to lean Titans, <laughs> even though I don't really care. I just I don't care. I mean I. One of I had a big parlay this weekend, and the Chargers plus uh, minus six and a half was part of it, and that they just they fr- they just got smoked by Devlin Hodges. So I hope they're really proud of themselves. 
But shout out to Hunter Henry for coming back, big Arkansas boy, and making his presence known. But the Chargers are really disappointing. The Titans, I mean, Mario, we knew from the start that Mariota is not the guy. And Ryan Tannehill is obviously also not the guy. But I just think their defense is good enough, and they're at home, and they'll, they'll win. I don't know. Who cares? Uh, yeah, I'm on the Chargers. Uh, I, I've been kind of biased towards them. I also was on the, I also were on them, but I, I teased it down, so I just had them on the money line, and it's still I went I missed the first five minutes, and I came down, and they're down fourteen nothing. Thanks a lot, Devin Bush. But uh, I mean, yeah, these teams, like you were saying, Adam, they're both trending in the wrong direction. I don't know why the Chargers are trying to mess up the thing that they had going with Austin Eckler and trying to get Melvin Gordon back to his workload. Um, I just think that they really, he was a huge part of their offense and especially what he did in the, in the receiving game. I just think this team has kind of lost uh, the Derwin James not being there kind of really has shot this defense down. Um, but then on the other side of the ball, the Titans are just kind of a worse version of that because they, they just bench Marcus Mariota for Ryan Tannehill, who I think might be a, a, you know, a slight upgrade. Uh, you know, again, I wouldn't be shocked if the Titans win, but I, I think the Chargers just need to win this game to to keep to catch the Raiders in the AFC West and keep their playoff hopes alive. The Ravens travel to Seattle, and this is my risky survivor of the week. I'm taking the Ravens, baby. Traveling west, I don't really, I don't have too much of a of a reason why, but I think the Seahawks. I know Russell Wilson's been playing well. I'm not going to deny that, but I think they're a little bit overrated at this point. Um, I don't think that, I mean, the game, they, they had to come back and win in Cleveland. You know, they, they probably should have lost to LA. I just, you know, I'm, I don't think that they're this powerhouse team that some, some are making them out to be obviously think they're really good. I think they're, they're definitely a playoff team and one that for sure can contend to, to win the Super Bowl. But I, I like the Ravens coming off a, of a big win last week to just kind of stay hot here. Yeah, I'm I'm going the opposite direction. I think I've been down the Seahawks since the beginning of the year, and they just somehow win, and it makes no sense to me because I really don't think they're that great. But DK Metcalf has also been playing pretty well, so shout out to him. But I, I think the Seahawks are going to pull this one out. I mean, I think it's just I think these two teams are very similar. They're run oriented teams with pretty stout defenses, but I think Russell Wilson is not to to throw any shade at Lamar Jackson, but Russell Wilson is just, you know, eons ahead of him right now as an MVP candidate. So uh, give me the Seahawks. Yeah, Shady, I'm with you. I've been making the comparison between the Ravens and the Seahawks a lot this year as, you know, frisky teams with, uh, you know, two quarterbacks that can extend plays and and our playmakers and then defenses that can keep them in it. Um, But I think Russell Wilson is is the clear favorite for MVP right now. He's single-handedly been carrying this team. And uh, I think the, the deciding factor is kind of just being at CenturyLink. That's a really tough place for a quarterback like Lamar Jackson, who I think um, is, you know, has been playing well, but has been doing a lot with his legs. And I just am waiting for that to kind of bite him in the butt. They, they Like you were saying, JP, with the Bengals, the Bengals were kind of in that game for a lot of the game. And I just think the Seahawks are a better, just a better team. And, and the Ravens just really haven't been playing that well. Uh, or at least well enough in my mind to, for me to be confident for them to go into Seattle and, and get a win against Russell Wilson, who is the best quarterback in the NFL right now. Yeah, I, I mean, this, the Ravens are a bit of a stretch here, I'll, I'll definitely admit it, but uh, in this bird matchup, I'll, I'll, I'll go with Baltimore. 
Mitch Trubisky, I read, read a headline on NFL Network today. Caution, the Bears are cautiously optimistic that he's going to play. And I said, don't hold your breath, Chicago, because uh, this one's not going to matter. The Saints, once again, getting plus money as, as some road dogs against an inferior opponent. I'm going to be all over that in my parlay of the week. Give me the Saints. Yeah, I completely agree. I think even without Drew Brees, Teddy Bridgewater has done a really nice job being just a game manager. And he's been utilizing his weapons, even getting Jared Cook, who had a rough start to the season, sort of into their offensive scheme and just peppering Michael Thomas, which is never a bad, never a bad idea. So I, I just think the Saints are going to – it's going to be a tight game, don't get me wrong, but I think the Saints will pull this one out just because of the Bears' offensive struggles. Even Chase Daniel and Mitch Trubisky doesn't matter. They can't throw the ball. The Bears' defense, obviously elite, but their offense is atrocious. So I'll take the Saints because it's – a little bit better their offenses yeah I mean I'm with both of you guys and really the the differentiating factor for me just comes down to the Saints defense I've been really impressed by this this defensive unit uh this year who I think are are playing some really good football and might be one of the more underrated defenses in the NFL and yeah like you guys said I'm you know Bridgewater over Chase Daniel Trubisky the the New Orleans offense and you know coaching I think I'd give a slight edge too with the skill position players they have and then you know, obviously the Bears defense wins them games, which is not which is not a good thing. And, and they you know, lost despite... to Keem Hicks for the year. Really? Yep. What what's the injury? Yeah. A dislocated elbow from, from last game and he's going on IR. He's out for the year? Yeah, he's on IR. Wow. That's that's huge. That's a huge loss for them. Um, yeah, I mean the Saints, yeah, like, I'm with you, Clep. They're getting they're they're four point dogs, I think, right now in in Chicago, which I understand why Vegas is setting that line, but uh, I think we should both be taking advantage of that. It's it's three, at least I'm betting now. Okay, well, but, it went down. It was at four. It was yeah. at four. It's at three now. Cool. Tommy, where are you at here with this Eagles Cowboys game? I'm disgusted, man. The Eagles are going to win. The fact that Doug <laughs> Peterson, the fact that Doug Peterson guaranteed it makes it more clear in my mind they're going to win. The fact that they got walloped by the Vikings makes it more clear in my mind that they're going to win. I don't, I just don't even know what to think about the Cowboys, man. And I guess it just for me, it just comes back to Garrett. That's who I'm going to blame. The the I don't know. I, I thought the offense looked very electric in the first three weeks against awful opponents, and then it's seemingly taken a huge step back. And I don't, I've, I've heard that Jason Garrett is taking more of the reins on the offensive plane calling to – to Kellen Moore, and even if that's not the case, uh, this offense is really struggling. Dak has kind of returned to the form that he's been in throughout his NFL career, which is a, a solid quarterback who needs a lot of the things going for them, uh, a lot like good things going for him in the right direction. And then Lyle Collins is out, Tyron Smith is out. I know that Tyron Smith tried to go against the Jets, um, but this this team just is is missing a lot of pieces, and their defense is, is getting sieved up. I mean, I'm sure we're going to touch on the Jets and how impressive Sam Darnold was last week, but this Cowboys team is just going in the wrong direction, and I have no confidence that they're going to turn it around against an Eagles team who's been underperforming. And despite all of the underperforming they've had and, and the, the bad losses that they've had and the missed opportunities that they've missed, um, if they beat the Cowboys, they're the number one team in the division. So they're, they're, they still control their own destiny, and I I you know the fact that they're – Underdogs in Dallas, I think they're they're going to be my risky survivor, and uh, I'm taking the Eagles. Yeah, JP, what you say? Yeah, yeah, I gotta, I gotta, I totally agree. I think the Eagles 
are probably going to come out on top in this game. I was, as I previously stated, in Austin, Texas this past weekend, and I watched a fair amount of that Jets-Cowboys game with quite a few uh, Cowboys fans at Austin City Limits Music Festival, and people were mad. They were straight up pissed <laughs> as they when should the Cowboys be. lost. They were really – I mean, Texas football fans, fans are obviously just another breed, but they were mad. Jason Garrett, they want Jason Garrett's head on a spike. Yep. They were calling for Tony Romo to take off a suit and run down on the field and start playing over Dak. It was – they were really pissed. Jason Garrett is just clearly on the hot seat, even though Jerry Jones or Stephen Jones won't say it. And I just think without Amari Cooper and Randall Cobb isn't practicing, that they just – they're all they're, – Passing game is just non-existent. Yep. And I'm sorry that Jay. I know Jason Witten came back, but he's about 100 years old, and he's just not going to do it for you. Well, yeah, he's so, he's a one one reception four yard guy that'll get you four yards. And yeah. and I, I forgot to bring yeah. up Amari Cooper, JP. I'll let you continue, but that he is their whole passing attack. And if you don't have Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup is a great complimentary piece, but Dak isn't a, a transcendent quarterback like Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes or any of these guys that can work with subpar receivers because of what they bring to the table as a quarterback. So yeah. that's just huge for them. And so, yeah, Eagles, go ahead. Yeah, I, I, and also I just want to throw in there that you can't discount the loss of Cole Beasley this year for them. He was, although not a, not a star receiver, just a really serviceable slot receiver that Dak could kind of depend on in short yardage situations, but they just don't have that that this year and Michael Gallup is not a number one wide receiver and then they brought in Randall Cobb and he was pretty good but now he's hurt he's hurt too and they have no Leo Collins on their offensive line so basically all they can do is feed Zeke but when their offensive line isn't up to snuff as it usually is then it their offense just falls apart yeah it's oh shit oh oh, oh oops all right hang on sorry I'm good sorry something weird happened with my garage man we're good though. Um, we'll just cut that out. No swear words on the back, Judge. Um, the Patriots visit the Jets Monday Night Football. One of these games that I'm so happy that this game isn't in Foxborough because it's like you you have these. Sometimes you get these primetime games where one team is pretty clearly better than the other, and you have the better team at home. So I think the Jets being at home makes this one interesting. Uh, Sam Darnold definitely looked, uh, you know good in his, in his return maybe not quite as sharp but hey it's pretty much his second game of the year coming off of uh you know an, uh, an illness so uh, g- give me the Patriots in this one but I think it, it might be a little bit closer uh than some people think uh the, the line on it is nine and a half and I'm, I'm not going to touch it but if I had to I think I would I would lean towards the Jets there yeah, I completely agree there. I think this is going to be – I mean, the Jets always seem to play the Patriots close the past past few years. Even when the Jets are not a very good team, they always seem to, you know, just give – sometimes take the Patriots to the ropes when they have no business doing it. And, yeah, I'm going to take the Patriots to win this game, but I think the Jets will keep it close. Sam Darnold looked really good last week. Robbie Anderson looked really good. Le'Veon was able to get kind of into that offense and make make a little bit of an impact. And their defense has been pretty good too, and I just think that the Jets are not that bad of a team. And the Patriots haven't really played anyone that incredible to begin the year. And I think this on the road Monday night, I think the Jets are going to put up a good fight. No. Are you doing Adam's damn podcast? Um, yeah, I mean, I think the Patriots are going to win, but Klepp, I'm with you. I would take the Jets on the spread. I probably will stay away. And the big takeaway for me is Darnold, who I thought, uh, you know, probably at his best game as a pro, 
so far, he had that one pick that was a little bit behind. Uh, I forget who he threw it to that Jordan Lewis picked off. But, I mean, Darnold was, was electric, man. The, the off-platform plays that he can make, the ability to improvise with his athletic ability. I mean, this guy's a real deal, and, and I'm excited to watch him continue to, uh, to build on uh, you know, all, my, all my wants and desires for him coming out of uh, USC. Uh, JP, you mentioned that you did have a parlay. It's time for our, or for, for last week. I don't know if you have one for this week, but it's time for the parlay of the week segment. Do you have anything prepared or do you, do you need, uh, if you guys want to go first, I can hop on Bovada okay. and, uh, and take a look. I mean, I've been parlaying hard, but you guys can go Tommy, do you have anything? I have, I have one in the tank. Do you have something to, to share? I mean, right now I'm only on Kansas city. I, I'm on Kansas city minus, uh, three and a half and now it's down to three so i might even I'm, i might even have to take them on the money line or or double down on them but uh right now i'm I'm kind of just looking at a two favorite lock parlay that i can make uh, of, of kansas city and green bay uh, i think it's it's around plus 120 i think uh and i just i need to get back on my horse after a rough week last week where i only got the under in baltimore cincinnati and the over in arizona um Atlanta, as I stupidly again, I tied the Eagles into a bunch of parlays, and they they crapped the bed. Uh, so I got to get better at managing my bankroll. But right now, I'm I'm per, I'm just kind of rolling with Kansas City, uh, and I'm going to see where I'm at at the end of the week or at the end of Thursday. Yeah, I I, I just took a quick I just took a quick look, and I've already come kind of come up with a three old three bet parlay. I'm loving the Chiefs minus three and a half. I'm I'm there with you, Tommy. I think that's I think they're going to cover. I think this is going to be a seven plus point win for them. I think this is definitely a get right game. And then I got to take the Lions plus one and a half because I think this is their season and they know it. And I don't think the Vikings are all that special away from home. And I think the Lions will get their first division win of the year. And then finally, I'm going to take. Uh, for the third bet, the Giants Cardinals. I'm going to take the under at fifty and a half. Wow. I do not. I do not think that they will surpass fifty points each. I think both defenses are not great, but I see this as a game where both offenses kind of get off the slow starts with rookie quarterbacks. And I know Saquon is back, but I still just don't see this being a, a shootout like the Atlanta game was last week for the Cardinals. Well, last week was a big parlay week for me. Unfortunately. Couldn't become a, a huge, huge lottery winning moment because of that Lions game. Could have had four hundred extra dollars in my account, but hit a big parlay with uh, it was uh, what was San Francisco to win, Seattle to win, and uh, the over in that uh, Atlanta Arizona game got me one hundred forty bucks. And I'm gonna take some of that money, make it a little bit of a bigger parlay this week. All right, we're gonna get Chiefs on the money line Thursday night. We're going to do Eagles, Road Dogs in Dallas. We're going to do Dolphins covering that 17-point spread. We're going to do Saints money line against the Bears. And uh, we'll see if I add this to the end or not. I'm thinking over in that Cardinals-Giants game, JP. If you go all that, you 31 bucks to win 1000 I don't know. I like that. Woo! I like the odds on that one. Woo! Yeah, well, and this is the first time where, I mean, you, usually when you like the odds, you like the – the Dolphins, Redskins. Uh, what was what was your your parlay? Dolphins, Redskins. Uh, whatever. When you're going to make fifty grand, when you potentially can yeah. make fifty grand. But the, but those odds are definitely a little bit more favorable. I got a little bit of a, a gambling horror story that might have a silver lining. Um, the gambling podcast that I listen to a lot is is called the Deep Dive with Andy and the Whale. For any of you listeners that uh, 
want to look expand your podcast, even though we don't like any competition. Uh, they do a great job, and they're we're really socialists. high. We're socialists. No, we are. Uh, we <laughs> we're, uh, we're all we're the great podcast. podcasts need to be knocked down and taken apart. Yeah, from the top down. Exactly, exactly. Uh, <laughs> but I'm I'm really I'm really huge. I was about to make a LeBron joke, but I uh, I avoided that. Okay. Um, I'm uh, they are very they were very hard on the over in Baltimore Seattle, which mm. I really liked. Um, and it got up to 51 and I was going to bet it. And I was being a hasty guy before class the other morning and I hit the under instead. And now the line has moved under a little bit to now it's at 49 and a half. So I, I, I kind of been thinking that maybe I, I, I made the right move. So, uh, that's a little anecdote and, uh, I'm, you guys are my therapy. I'm, I'm talking it out with you guys. All right. Yeah. Thank, what do you, you think of that? What do you think of the over? What do you think about the over? I, I, at, uh, Baltimore, I was looking Seattle? at that over, to be honest. I, I think it's it's interesting. I I get start getting worried about those outdoor games as we get closer to uh, the winter months. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It, it just throws a little uh, wrench in, in in the game, but I, I don't know. I, I think that, I think that over is definitely playable. Though I would I would rather be on the over than the under. Yep. That's good to know. <laughs> Is that it, boys? I think that does it. JP, thank you for joining. Yeah. Uh, Charlie yeah, Brown will thank make, for having uh, me. Make, maybe make a real appearance next week. He's more than welcome to. Told him that many times, and yet he just uh, he just likes to play the uh, the victim card. <laughs> yep, loves it. He absolutely loves it. All right, boys. Thank you very much for joining us. Go Lions. Q stay schemes.